Twin Peaks is over 30 years old. There's so much more to learn about Twin Peaks. I, we recommend you pick up our book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, to find out even more about the show that you love. We have tons of great stuff. We have over 100 interviews. We have commentary from the community. We have us. We have some great photos that have never been seen by most folks. I think if you're a diehard Twin Peaks fan, you're going to absolutely love this book and you will definitely learn something new. So pick it up at bluerosemag.com. I got idea And welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska, and beside me as always, Ben Durant. It's so good to be here today because we actually have an amazing interview, and I haven't been this exciting since Michael Horse. Yeah, and which was like a month ago. A month ago, and I didn't think that could be topped, it's but today, to top that, yeah. today, everyone's in for a treat. Harley Payton. Yes, he, he Harley wrote Payton. like thirteen episodes on almost half the series of Twin Peaks. He uh, he produced, and uh, I'm so excited to actually get to talk with him today. It was oh my god, very exciting, amazing interview. Um, you'll everybody will enjoy it. Uh, we let's asked, not waste any time. Let's just get right into it. So we're on the phone with Harley Payton. He's a writer, producer, a director, and uh, he wrote almost probably almost half of uh, Twin Peaks there, like with with Mark Frost in some episodes and Bob Angles. Hi, uh, Harley. How are you? I'm great. How you doing? Good. So I guess I'd start off with asking you, you know, in October 2014, Mark Frost and David Lynch tweeted that uh, basically that the show was coming back. How did you hear about it? What were your thoughts when you heard about it? Oh, it's funny because I had, I mean, I've kept in, in touch with Mark in particular over the years. And every once in a while we would talk about it and is such a thing possible. I at one point suggested that we do a comic book in the way that mm. Joss Whedon did with Buffy and Angel. Um, so, it, you know, we would, it, we had those conversations, but it always, it, the real missing piece was in a way with David. It was, well, David would never really do it. And yeah. Mark really wasn't sure. I, and I, I think Mark wasn't really certain that he wanted to revisit it either. Mm. Um, and then I saw... <clears throat> the tweet about, you know, the gum coming back in style. Um, <laughs> yeah. And my phone rang almost immediately, and that was Mark. And it was Mark saying, look, I just want to let you know. And then he explained to me what was happening. And he was very sweet because the point the, the point of the call was, look, David and I wrote all these scripts together. Had we not, you would have been the first person to call to write some, which that's is awesome. very nice to hear. And yeah. So that was, you know, and ba that's just based on our being friends more than anything else. But... But yeah, so I knew about it then, and then have of course been following it ever since, with you know, sort of eagerly. Yeah, awesome. And you talk about Mark Frost. It, it, it's definitely the first season. He seemed like he was about really bringing in people that were were his friends, or like he he bring his dad. He brought his his brother yep. to help write. Um, he had his brother in law and other people from the cast of Imitation of Love, and he brought Bob Angles, and he brought you into it. And I think that's great that you know he, these are people that he can trust and he knows do, does great work. Can you share more with us yep. your experience of how you first got? involved at Twin Peaks? Oh, yeah. Mine, I came to it kind of in the same way. In other words, Mark and I were both in the same baseball stat league, right? <laughs> and, and, he, and he had a team with Bob Engels, and they were, they were in, this, in this league, and that's really how we met. And we became very friendly over time based on that. And then one day he called me and said, look, I 
I did this TV pilot with, you know, with David Lynch, of all people. Mm. You should come see it. We're doing a screening at the Director's Guild. So I went to it, saw that two-hour pilot. Like everybody else there, just had my mind blown. Yeah. And I actually went, I went up to Mark in the lobby afterwards to congratulate him and said, look, if you need, I mean, I've never written television before. But if you need anyone to write an episode, um, just call me because I'm ready to go. And he, uh, luckily for me, he then, you know, said, great, come and write, I guess it would have been the third. Yep. Um, and, and he was so happy with that that he said, oh, boy, come back and write number six. He did hmm. that as well in that first, in that first group. And then came back as a producer and writer in the second season. But as some, you know, they, they say it's who you know in a weird way. And that's one of those circumstances where it's just based on our friendship. And as you said, Mark liked to bring in a lot of people who we know him. And, and Rick Giolito in Invitation to Love was his brother-in-law. So, oh, yeah. you know, there's all that, you know, he was very great about, he was very good about that. But that's really how it, it kind of started for me. And it was obviously a pretty substantial break. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it was a Brad Duke's Reflections book, but somewhere you had mentioned it was like midnight. Mark, Mark Frost calls you and says he likes uh, episode three script. That it was like, well, yeah, I, yes, yes, that's true. I, I'd written the third episode. I had no idea what they would think. I mean, it was the very, it was the of course Laura Palmer's funeral. I went in all sorts of crazy directions with it and had a great time writing it. Um, and really, the process was very much like it would be throughout the entire show, which was you sit down with Mark. He would go through an outline with you that he and David had worked on or a story. And then you're given a lot of freedom within those scenes to kind of navigate as you, as you could. And so that's how, I, but you know, I had no idea how he'd react, but yeah, the phone rang. It was like close to midnight <laughs> and he had just, he had, he had just finished reading the script and look, he was thrilled. And, and I came to know later why he was thrilled because when you're running a television show, just to know that you have a writer who can write something that you feel you're not going to have to rewrite substantially mm. that you can count on, it's it's a rare thing, and it's, yeah. and it's something that you know when you read it, you know it. So I, I didn't really realize that then, but that's certainly what he was reacting to. And and yeah, from that moment on, we were sort of joined at the hip. We became great friends during the course of the show, and we used to have lunch every day and hmm. talk about it and try to figure things out. And again, I mean, it was an extraordinary experience for me. Awesome. And uh, you, you mentioned kind of working with David and, and and Mark going through the script. Did you guys have like a writer's room? I mean, like, I don't know how it was in like the 90s. No. And, yeah, there was no. No, there wasn't. I mean, I and I don't even know. I mean, I, no, I mean, there was no writer's room. The, the closest we got would have been in, in the second season. You know, Bob had his office. I had my office. But that was really it for any writers on the show. Hmm. Anyone else Anyone else who came in and wrote, Barry Pullman or Scott Frost or actually my then-wife, Tricia Brock, hmm. um, you know, they all came in as, 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 um, as kind of freelance writers, which never happens now. Hmm. Um, and so there really wasn't a room, in particular because Mark and David or just Mark were really working out the outlines and as I said, you would kind of sit down and go through it with them, and, and that's how the process worked. So there really never was a kind of writer's room where people were, like, pitching ideas. Well, the God knows if we had them. I mean, before the second season started, Mark actually called me up. I think he called up Bob as well and said, look, if you have any ideas for any stories you want to do for the second season, um, you know, that's let's you know, let me know. And so that was the equivalent of a room then, or we would bring in some ideas um, to kind of work with. Oh. So this outline is almost like bullet points. It's like, okay, I know we want to get here, here, and here, and now flesh it yeah. out and and make stories out of it. Really, it, yeah, well, yeah, it'd be even more fleshed out than that. It yeah. would be Act One, first scene. We're going to be at the diner. We're going to accomplish mm. this. 
You know, second scene, this is where we're going. So you would have a very, very detailed roadmap to work with before you started writing a script. Excellent. And look, if you figured out something along the way that you thought might be interesting, you could do that. But look, I mean, the stories, particularly when you're telling a serial story like that, mm. you've got to hit certain marks along the way. So right. that's what we would do. Um, but yeah, the only writers and thing was, again, whereas, you know, for example, I came to him and pitched a story that became the Lenny Von Dolan story in the second season. Mm. Um because there actually is a real character named Harold Inman um, who wrote these diaries, who lived in Boston, who never left his house and wrote diaries about the world he wasn't participating in. And I kind of picked up those books. And so that was one of the things in the second season that I brought to him and said, well, let's try this. And he said, great. And we did. Yeah, I love the whole uh, – that you really did uh, flesh out what you created, Harold Smith. I mean, this I, I'm really yeah. fascinated by Arthur Crew Inman and his diaries and, and – and he had like these talkies. He he would pay people to maybe kind of get write a diary of their their lives. Is that right? Yeah, he yeah. was a fairly yeah. The, the real life guy was a fairly perverse character, the hmm. scion of a very rich family, and he didn't leave his house, and he had all these crazy notions. And he would write these very long diaries, and yes, he would pay people to come in and talk to him, and and he'd write these stories down and. I've got it. There's somewhere in storage now, but I've got like a eight. It's like five volumes, I think, of wow. his kind of moving. Yeah. Um, I, I was sad I did, when he know, died. Oh, you were sad when Harold yes, Smith died yes, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it seemed abrupt in some ways. Yeah, but, uh, but it was. But I mean, the story mm -hmm. had to keep going and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the the actual uh, guy Inman was from Boston, which you know Brian and I are from New England, so it's kind of interesting to have right. kind of this guy, um, you know, close by that we, that's connected to in some ways to Twin Peaks. Um, in the, yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and in the show, it's not really explained, but I I feel like it's connected to Inman's diaries. Um, there are two diaries. There's Laura Palmer's Secret Diary, and right next to it is another book. And if I, maybe you can explain it better, but I almost feel like like um, Harold Smith was writing down what they said, and then maybe create another diary that maybe fleshed out with his own his own. Yeah, life, that's or? interesting. I mean, based yeah, based on who the character was. I mean, my memory is a little dim on sure, that, but I think tricky, yeah. based on based on based on who the character was, I think that was certainly what we were what we were talking about. I mean, you're right; it did. Because the, the Laura Palmer diary, of course, was a big deal, which mm. you know, Jennifer Lynch wrote, and yeah. so that was a whole separate, a whole other thing. But yes, that was sort of what what uh, Howard Smith was doing. Um, yeah. And you mentioned Jennifer Lynch's uh, book. Did you guys use that at all as a resource when writing, or you just kind of had a sense of where it was already and did your? It own was thing? just. It was sort of. It was like a separate thing. I mean, yeah. I think along the way there are there are these kind of ancillary things that we did. There was that. And there was a sort of tourist guide to Twin Peaks that we all wrote different chapters of. Hmm. Um, and so just to the town, like it would be, you know, a city guide or something like a forest yeah. guide or something. So we did one of those. But those were all sort of separate and parallel to the show itself. Yeah. Although the diary was amazing. And, of course, I read it. And it was always it was a wonderful way to sort of get into the head of the character and other things. So that, was, that was that. But, yeah, it didn't, it didn't feed in in a, in a direct way. Yeah. I want to say, going back to the first season, that just so everybody knows that, you know, you were nominated for an Emmy for that uh, episode three for outstanding writing in a drama series. So, I mean, I think you yeah. should have won. It was an, it's an amazing episode, the funeral yes, episode. I mean, like, I think, I mean, every scene is incredible. Like, I think, I mean, there's just so incredible beats for each scene. I, I loved it. I mean, my favorite part of that is when after... Uh, uh, Albert gets punched by Truman, and Cooper walks over to Laura's, uh, you know, body and picks up her arm and lays right. it down. And it's like, oh, it's 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 just great television. I mean, yeah, what a wonderful job you did with that script. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. Listen, I was lucky, and I got to walk into that story, and because it was the, I mean, it's. Uh, 
in my experience, and even over the years, the best episodes of television that you write are ones that have a sort of thesis and have a, a kind of idea behind them. And you don't always have the opportunity to do that. But because this was Laura's funeral, it was really just, it was an episode about death. Mm-hmm. And so everything I wrote over, that's what I was always thinking about the, how these various characters are going to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's very rich material and the actors were all so wonderful. So, and that was just a lucky break. I mean, you know, when Mark said to me, here's what's happening to three, I just thought, oh man, I, I knew mm-hmm. that I was in very good shape. I was in very good shape right from the start. Yeah. And the, the, the episode, that episode uh, starts off with uh, Cooper and Audrey at, uh, Kind of well, Cooper's having breakfast and Audrey comes by, and I'm a fa- I'm a fan of the idea of this romance between them. I, Brian doesn't see at it. first. Yeah, uh, right now it's yeah. a little weird, but but I mean I feel like in some ways you started this whole flirtation that you. I mean I feel like Cooper's there and she's mm-hmm. kind of sweaty. But and I know can you share it with us? Even like I know at one point you guys had thought about making him romantic, maybe in the second season. Could you share a little bit about that? Well, sure. Yes. And look, I've talked about it before. I mean, one of, that was that was certainly part of the plan. When we were talking about the second season, you know, following a, a relationship between Cooper and Audrey, and who knows where it would have gone or how it would have been or what, you know, or even how romantic it would have been. But, mm-hmm. th- but based on that, and you saw it all, as you say, in that first scene and her, yeah. obviously she was, you know, she was crazy about him. <laughs> so the question was just how would we kind of deal with that and what would we do with it? And and that was going to be a big part of the second season. Um, but you know, I think Kyle just didn't want to do it. He didn't think it, it didn't feel right. Mm. He thought her character was too young, and that was a very unusual thing on the show. But the thing about David is that he, you know, the reason that actors will do anything for him is, is pretty much that he'll do anything for them. Mm. And so on a, on a lot of television shows, I think you know. And by the way, I was I must admit I was I was kind of this was my opinion mm. that you would just say to Kyle, no, you're doing it. And that's all you know, <laughs> not discussion about it. Right. You know, we're not going to screw up the second season because you have this problem. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Mark and I had these discussions. I mean, I, at one point that seemed to be where we were headed. Mm. But as it turned out, no, we no, we didn't. Uh, we decided not to do it. And so a uh, new love interest was cast yeah. for Agent Cooper, who, by the way, was probably the same age as Audrey Horn. That's funny. Um, so the youth of it didn't seem to be as, um, as much a problem there. Right. But, you know, that was that was really one of the few times in, in the whole process where I really felt like, well, that may have been a wrong term because it, it did it did take away a, a rather substantial storyline that we wanted to follow in the second season. Yeah, and without spoiling anything for Brian, because he's only at like episode 20 yeah. right now, but I will say that even in the last episode, I could see how it could have been a romance between Cooper and Audrey, and I could see why I was like, oh, you know, she's saying things, and I could see how they yep. could still connect, and it was still beautiful, and I still, like, I mean, I was 15 years old when I was watching Twin Peaks <laughs> back, you know, 25 sure. years ago, and I was still rooting, even if he was with somebody else, I was still rooting for, with the way the scene was, that, like, okay, this is really still going to be about Audrey and Cooper in some way, but, right. yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And their connection was great. They worked wonderfully together as actors. So, you know, I mean, I think it was a missed opportunity, but it, you know, it, it, nonetheless, they both got to follow what they did, but then we had to, you know, we then that we had to move her off toward the Billy Zane story, which actually I wrote a lot of and really enjoyed. Hmm. Um, and then we, and then we brought in Heather Graham's character and that was the story that Greg Cooper did. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I feel like that was fine, but I, I would have, it would, it's one of those things that I would have loved to have had a chance to write you know, given how I sort of set, got it rolling in that third episode. Yeah, that would have been something. And it, 
uh, right before episode three, we had episode two, which was the, the famous dream sequence and uh, that David Lynch directed. But I, I believe that David actually didn't direct that. It was like it was like out of order, the actual episodes. I feel like he might have directed it around episode six because uh, he doesn't have all this stuff that you mentioned in the uh, in yeah when Cooper's talking to Lucy and Truman he's you know Cooper's saying everything that's based in the European version that oh you were there and you were there and right yeah were you basing I mean I think the episode two script might have had all the European ending type of stuff and maybe you were when you were writing this you were basing it off of the maybe the previous script because I mean it was great right. I love that you had shared all that information but it was like more than what the viewer would have seen in the previous episode right yeah that yeah you're right I mean that is I mean that's I was working off uh, both the script and then the outline for Mark so that's how that would mm. work I mean that it was a little chaotic because David was was doing wild at heart at the time. Hmm. So you know, in in the first season, he was. I mean, it's not he wasn't there, but but really, Mark was the kind of everyday guy who was really sort of making things, making sure that everything was working. And Mark was the one. I mean, I never, I don't, I didn't meet David until the second season. Um, oh, wow! Because 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 what you would do is you would you would come onto the because there were no offices like there were in the second season. We weren't hmm. producers. So as a freelance writer, you know, Mark, you know, said, we'll come to the set when they shoot your episode. And so that's when you would go there. And, you know, and so that was, you know, Caleb Deschanel and you wouldn't, but you wouldn't see, and you, you wouldn't see David there that much. I mean, David was directing what he was directing, but he's also doing Wild of Hardy. He's a fairly busy fellow yeah. in that uh, first season. And I think in the second season, at least Todd Holland had said that, like, uh, David Lynch had some kind of exhibit in Japan and he maybe was doing other things because it seems like he wasn't, always around in the second season it's always not clear well yeah it's the weird thing that's i mean this is i mean, i've talked about this a lot because i, I feel like it's it, it's just not my memory hmm. in other words it, in the first season because he was doing wild at heart and he just wasn't there that much i mean he was yeah. certainly he and mark were you know mark were obviously constantly working on all the stories and all that stuff came out of the both of them um but in the second season look david's office was right across the way from mine and and actually and the and to me the real absence in that season although I'm sure Todd may be right about you know Japan yeah. but the real absence in that season um, was Mark hmm. because Mark went off to Mark went off to direct the movie yeah story um, uh, story so, yeah something that by the way I I know he probably wishes he hadn't done now in the full hmm. time but yeah he left to direct the movie. And it's funny you should mention Todd Holland because the reason I know David was there and very involved is that Todd called me one night and this was my midnight phone call. And he said, look, I just, I just, I just got off the phone with David and he had all these notes, but my whole day is set for tomorrow morning. I can't really shoot what I planned because of the things that he was talking to me about. And I said, look, shoot your day exactly like you planned it and I'll handle this. Um, and then I talked to Mark, who I think was probably then in New Orleans, and said, look, you know, you, David can't give notes, you know, at 11 at night, the night before we're shooting. It makes it impossible for production. What are the kind of conversations you have on any television show? Hmm. Um, and he said, fine, no problem. I'll take care of it. And I got a phone call from David the next day, which I remember to this day. He was not too happy. <laughs> this, was maybe, this was before meditation, I guess. Oh. And so it was, and so believe me, he was there. And and very active. I mean, he you know he directed a bunch of episodes. Yeah. And, you know, so it's and maybe he you know, Dave was always doing a lot of stuff. But but the weird there is this weird urban legend that 
you know, David was there in season one and gone in season two, and that's just not true. Hmm. What can, can you can you share with us? You think the styles between uh, Mark and Lynch, maybe as as ex- I guess executive producers and stuff. Well, I mean, it's I mean, it's what in terms of creatively or in terms of management. I mean, the I thing mean, is, is that yeah, maybe management. I, I mean, or yeah, I mean, I, like I mean, you know, listen, David and Mark had this extraordinary sort of mind meld, you know, partnership. And, and it was, and it was, and it was something that, you know, you got the feeling that the center wouldn't hold forever because it was complicated. Mm. But the fact of the matter, but the fact of the matter is, is that Mark came out of television. He'd done television prior. He mm. knew how, how a television show needed to run. And so, and th- that's a certain skill set that comes in handy, obviously, when you're trying to, when you're up and running. Yeah. And you know, D- David was coming from movies. He's much more about inspiration in the moment, mm. and so the kind of and so the kind of linear thinking. Well, you know, we can't really do this here because in three episodes we're doing that over there. That's just not something that David's thinking about. Yeah. I mean, he's thinking in either he's, he's either thinking in much larger strokes, or oddly enough, in even smaller ones. I remember there was um, I think it was the Ronat Pulaski autopsy scene um, with Mark's dad, and they're in there, and one of the lights started blinking rapidly. Mm. Yeah. You know, on most on most sets, that would be a gaffer taking an hour to fix the lights. But for David, it was wow, this is neat. Let's just keep it. It looks great. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you know, and that's David's genius is how yeah. in the moment he, he manages to find those things. Um, but as far as being a man, like an executive producer, I never really thought of him as really doing that function. I mean, it's not something that I think he had either the time or the inclination to do. Sure. I mean, he was much more focused on directing what he directed. And if you've noticed that in the episode that he directed, a lot of those little tropes were, you know, chewing gum. A lot of those things were in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't even in some of the other episodes. Right. But, because, but, that's, just, but that's just the way he focused. And you know, without spoiling anything about the last episode, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's a script that Mark and myself and Bob all worked on. And then I remember the kind of word filtering back from the set was like, Oh, Dave has just gone off there. You know, he's just doing, he's gone crazy. And I mean, he's, you know, he's doing all these things and he's changing all these things. And, 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 and my, changes, my inclination and my inclination at the, at the moment was, oh, how dare he? That's ridiculous. David's finally lost his mind. And then I saw the episode, and I think it's one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to complain with that, but, it's, but it, it can, that sort of, that kind of inspiration is just difficult to do uh, on a weekly basis, particularly when you're telling a serial story. Yeah. Something. So I, I'm, I was going to talk about uh, your your next one, episode six in uh, the first season. I love like the unseen Twin Peaks. I'm always fascinated by sometimes scripts. And the previous episode was uh, Audrey's in bed of Cooper's room, and he he sees yeah he sees she's naked in bed. And in your script, right. your original script for episode five. Uh, actually, it's it kind of it kind of mirrors episode three. Cooper and Audrey are are in are having breakfast together, and uh, and they're talking, yeah. and it's awkward. And I was just wondering if I I would love to hear more about that. It, I kind of read it as maybe that was still connected to the previous episode. That did they didn't they have sex together? Could you share about that? That's yeah, funny. I mean, and again, this is reaching back for me, but it's I don't think it was so much about about them having had sex together. Although I think it was more about her sort of her desire for him and Cooper having no earthly idea what to do about that yeah, yeah. because that was something beyond his skill set. 
And and the two of them had such a, and listen, you can tell, I mean, I love writing, and that's why I wanted to do it in the second season. It was, the two of them had such great rhythm when they worked together. And so it was really just about that, about that relationship, which to me felt both impossible and possible at the same time. Mm. And which is why I was so curious and exploring it further. But yeah, in that episode, it was just a continuation of her absolute determination and, and his unwillingness to kind of entertain it, even as I suppose he did. Hmm. But but no, I wouldn't. But I never really thought about that. Like that, they had you know had sex in the previous episode. Right. That that's not something that I was thinking about. Sure. Um, and then I, I, you came up with the whole cherry stem. Is that correct for Audrey's uh, one eye yeah, jack? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. We were we were watching television with my eleven year old daughter, I guess last week, and they did, and someone did their cherry stem trick, <laughs> and um, and my wife turned to my eleven year old and said, "You know, your dad invented that." Ah. Um, I, I of course had to explain that I popularized it, but the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that, um, yeah, no, listen, and this is, the, and this is, again, I hadn't really done television in this way before, so I didn't really know what was great about the process, mm-hmm. but what's great about the, but what's great about the process is I was at a Mexican restaurant called the border grill with these friends of mine. This very good friend of mine, Sarah Stanton said, watch me. I can, I'm going to tie a cherry stem in a knot in my mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. And and she does it at this restaurant, and the next day I pitched it, and then the next day after that I put it in the script. And two weeks later we were shooting it, and two months later they're writing about it in New York Magazine. I mean, the immediacy wow, wow. of that, you know, to me, that's, that's the immediacy of television, and particularly yeah. when you work in movies and things take so long. It's And also just your ability as a writer to kind of take advantage of things that are just happening when you walk out the door. So, yeah, that was something that happened that a friend of mine did, and, you know, that's, that's, my, to me, that's, my, that's my contribution to Twin Peaks. I think that, that carries down. <laughs> it will live forever. Yes. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's me, but it feels like Twin Peaks has a lot of innuendos. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of, like, double... Double entendres. <laughs> double entendres. Um, I'm trying sure. to think, like... Yeah, I don't know. There's like, there's like phallic symbols, or there's just things. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's me. I, I was look. I was reading the scripts, and in in the script I read, didn't have the whole uh, freshly squeezed when when Audrey comes walking in. I don't know if, mm-hmm. if that was another draft or what, but I was like, oh, that, that's one of my favorite lines <laughs> and stuff. But it can have double. Yeah, meanings. usually, yeah, usually that's just a subsequent draft. Sometimes it can be something that I mean, it's that kind of action can be something that the directors come up with. I mean, I couldn't even tell you at this point. Yeah, but it's yeah. It's, I mean, that was all part of the process because also we had such good directors. So, and they were also given a lot of freedom when they came in if they had ideas or the way you know the different ways to set scenes or things they wanted to add. We didn't really do much writing during production, but 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 you know once we got going, they certainly had the freedom to sort of kind of add what they wanted to add to it, and they all did mm. you know pretty amazing work. Yeah, they did really something. So you've kind of already, you've kind of already talked about this, but I was going to go and ask you about what it was like uh, for the second season. I mean, basically right before the season began, you were you you were you were kind of promoted to producer of the show. Yeah. What, what was that like? And I feel like you're what, kind of one of the showrunners, especially while Mark is away. I mean, I think Mark was still reviewing scripts and all that, but I feel like you you took up a lot more responsibility for the show come the second season. Well, yeah. What yes. What happened in the second season is is that. I mean, I mean, to me, one of the biggest changes was is there are these two huge warehouses out in the valley in Los Angeles, 
and they were like Twin Peaks land. I mean, we had these offices on a, on a second floor. You'd walk down into the warehouse, and there was every set. Huh. Wow. Um, and so it was all in this one place, which was sort of magical in and of itself. And, and, and every set, every interior, every house, obviously. So we did all of that. And, and my job then was, as, as you say, as a producer, you know, I'm, I've got my first office as a writer. I'm using, by the way, a Mac computer for the first time. Wow. Because nice. they made a, they made a deal with Mac. And so we all had Macs and we're all working there that way as well. I'd worked on a typewriter prior to that. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think my job started out as, you know, just writing my scripts and, and doing whatever I could do to pitch in. But when Mark left or when he was doing Storyville, I mean, I was really number three, I guess you could say. Hmm. So, yes, then then I had to step up and try to run things as best I could. And for the first time, God knows. But, yes, then those became my problems. Then if an actor wanted to talk about a script or whatever, I was the person who was doing that because Mark was not there. As you say, he was obviously reviewing every script and every outline from afar. Um but, um, yeah, that, that was a big year for me or a busy year for me because I ended up doing a lot of the, uh, the show running towards the second half of the second season. Yeah. I just want to tell you that I think every episode of Twin Peaks has their gems. I mean, like, some people can say, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that. But I felt like – and, and Brian, we, on, on previous episodes we've done, we're always, I'm always saying, you know what? There was this moment in this episode. It was, it was amazing. And I love – for me, I love the mythology. I love when you hear more about this Black Lodge, this yep. White Lodge, and what – or even Cooper's Cooper's background and Back, stuff like that. So yeah, backstory. I just want to say that to you. I thought yeah. like every episode is enjoyable for me and stuff. And I think and you're I'm really the same loving thing it too. too yeah, right? you're saying yeah. Um, yeah, second half. Of it, I'm definitely enjoying it. Like it's a lot of fun. And um, and I'm a huge fan of Dave the Coveney as uh, Denise Dennis Den- Dennis yeah. Denise. Yeah. But I also heard that like. Yeah. He he doesn't come back after this episode. I yeah. just saw with him with. You know, coming uh, it in, was, it was a yeah, it was a guest star thing, and he came in. I mean, I mean, obviously he wasn't known then. I mean, this mm. was before X Files, right? But yeah, he was someone actually I knew his manager, so I knew him socially, and and yeah, he came in and re- read for that, and he was um, obviously he was hilarious, yeah. Um, and yeah, listen, the second season, I mean, it certainly, I mean, listen, it has its detractors. I mean, I would certainly say that the the first season and up to the death of Leland Palmer and whatever it is, episode seven or eight in the second season, mm-hmm. I mean, I think those that that run of episodes is as good as any television ever made. I mean, yeah, I really do for sure. Yep. And and so the so the rest of that second season had a very hard act to follow. But it's funny, I did a, a sort of um, an evening at USC where they they did the entire series start to finish. And they would do three episodes per night, and then wow. they would have various guests. Um, Mark and Mark Frost did one of these things, which he rarely does, and mm. everyone was there. And the, the night that I was there, Peggy Lipton was there, Michael Horse. Um, and when Wilson, I, you know, yeah. they gave they gave you your nights, and and when I realized that mine were, I had like twelve episode thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. I thought, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's like, you know, why can't I get, you know, so, and so I went and, and I didn't have to go, but I said, fuck it, I'm going to go and yeah. watch with this really large audience in this auditorium at USC. I'm going to go watch 13, 14 and 15. And I was amazed at how good they were. I mean, it was like, I completely forgotten, as you say, so many wonderful little moments and yeah. all those characters. And I, listen, I mean, you know, James Marshall's noirish detour still didn't work for me. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that, I really did like it, and, I, and mm. I, it was actually sort of, it was a nice thing for me to see it and appreciate even then, I mean, just how good it is 
and just how singular it was, given what television was doing generally at the time. Yeah, I think we're always harder on uh, hardest on ourselves and our own work too. I think sometimes, even I mean, we we can't compare to you in any ways. But I think when Brian and I do this show, sometimes I like think that was a terrible show that we did, and then I listen to it again. It's like, that wasn't that bad. I mean, it was good and stuff. But Yeah. yeah. So if I go, yeah, go, exactly right. Yeah, and going into the second season, uh, can you share us with us that story of Steven Spielberg almost directing Twin Peaks? Well, and that that actually is funny because that was when what people say when people ask me about the first season and how much David was involved in. I mean, as you can imagine, I mean David's involvement was at a level, and again, it was what he and Mark did together was extraordinary. But the fact of the matter is, is that Mark and I were sat down with Spielberg in his living room. Um, prior to the second season starting, um, uh, t- to see if he wanted to direct the first episode. I mean, hmm. he, he was, he was, Kate Capshaw was my then wife's be- best friend. So I knew Steven pretty well, and I knew him through my wife and through Kate. And so, and I knew that he was a huge fan of the show. And so that's how it came about. Hmm. And I said to Mark, and I said to Mark, look, this is crazy, but I, you know, I'm pretty sure that Steven would direct an episode. So we went and sat down with him, and he couldn't have been more enthusiastic. And he said, look, I'll just make it as weird as possible. I love this show so much. It would be so much fun to do. So that's what we are you know, thinking about doing. Then David, for I think all the right reasons, said, I think I'll direct the first episode. <laughs> um, but, you know, Stephen can come in and direct episode whatever he said, yeah. six or seven or something. And uh, then it didn't happen after that. But, yeah, no, we were – that was something that – that's one of those alternate history moves. But yeah. that was something that nearly happened. Um, that's something. And, and, that, and by the way, that was, for me, a sort of pivot point and in a, in a good way because that was where David was really making it clear – that unlike the first season when he was, you know, doing well at heart, he really was going to be focused on this in, in a pretty substantial way. Hmm. And so that, of, of course, he was going to direct the first episode and subsequent episodes. And of course, he, and listen, that episode when, you know, Leland Palmer's death, when the, all that stuff is revealed that Mark wrote, he directed, that is probably my one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Just, ama- it's, just, a, it's just amazing. Um, so, and was you know, David there that. for that, but, for uh, the, the, the Leland death? Was David, did David have any input on, on any of the scenes with, with Leland dying and all that? Do you know? Oh yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. He was intimately involved in all of that. And that was obviously the big secret. And he was, he was the one who in fact told Ray Wise that he was the killer. <laughs> um, so yeah, David was very involved in all that stuff. Yeah. I do like to do that. Like, I mean, that, so I, I think I think it was Mark Frost and and David sat down. Uh, the actor who played Benjamin and and Leland and uh, who played Laura or Maddie and 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 then they had them act and, and they told them who killed who killed Laura Palmer. But then they all had to act. They all had to perform that. Like so, even though we knew Ben Horn wasn't the killer, they knew that Ben Horn wasn't going to be the killer. He still had to act it all out as though he was. Yeah, the killer. exactly. Yeah, and that that yeah. went on for a yeah. few episodes in the scripts. It would say. Ben Ben says this when it was really Leland saying those lines. I mean, it was it was a good cover. Right. Well, it was, yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, and this is this is kind of pre-internet in a way. But I mean, mm. but it, there was a certain amount of subterfuge just to make sure that the secret remained a secret. Yeah, that's cool. In this day and, and age, so that's some, hard too. Yeah. Oh well, no! Now it would be impossible. Yeah. But then it was. I mean, I think in some ways we were. I mean, I think that on the one hand. Had had this show happened in the, in you know in the time of blogs and the area and all that stuff, it might have actually had a better shot of continuing. 
Um, but it wouldn't have been the same. The frenzy would have been just mm. maybe, would have been would have been possibly intolerable. So there is something I think we are very lucky about sort of being, you know, the last great television show mm. before the sort of internet age took over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think about the new and, series and, right now. There's stuff going on where people are trying to leak photos and things. I'm like, stay away! I don't want to have any spoilers for the for the well, new season stuff. Yeah. Although they've done a pretty good job on the on the third season right now. I mean, mm. they're you know certain photos get out and you learn about different actors who are you know playing different parts. But right. I think they've done a great job about that. So that, I agree. That's worked out okay. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question you probably don't know the answer to, but I'm always curious about it. So season uh, the, the episode nine it would be really. Uh, the second episode in season two, uh, Lucy gets this phone call. It's a mystery man, and it says basically, "I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna. If you don't give me your name, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna transfer you to the sheriff." And then that same week, that, that exact same week, there was a one nine hundred uh, thing set up for like the sheriff, the sh- toll free sheriff line and stuff like that. And it seemed to me that that they were coincide that that maybe it was like a uh, product placement that Lucy talks about it, and then we see a commercial of. You know, find out more. Call this number. Any chance you know anything about that, or, or... I don't know. You know what? I, it makes perfect sense, and yeah. I don't know a single thing about it. And it was, I mean, it was, yeah. it was, given, given the answer, ancillary stuff that we were doing again, the diary right. and, and the tourist tourist guide and stuff. Yeah. It certainly sounds like something that we we would have done, but I have no, I, it's funny. I have no memory of it. Yeah, and so you wrote the script, but it wasn't in the script. It wasn't that whole scene where Lucy no. got the phone call. So it always seemed like a, whether it was the director or it was Mark's notes to say, "Hey, we need you to you, we need you to put this in there." So yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, yeah, that's something that Mark would have done. I mean, I think that it particularly, and they were really good at that sort of, you know, those sort of those kind of tricks. So I think that's something that he would have added to it. Yeah. And uh, we already talked a little bit about Harold Smith, but when I was a kid and stuff, I always thought somehow he was connected to these spirits, to Bob. I mean, I thought there was more to it than just this guy locked in a room, especially because he had these issues where he wouldn't leave the house. And in, I think it was one of your your scripts with Bob Angles. There was uh, Mike, the one-armed man uh, spirit there, came in and he said, no, Bob wasn't here. So was there – can you share anything about that? Do you know, like – that's funny. I don't think, as the character was initially created, there was there was not that connection. That his connection was really to Donna and to Laura, and it was really about this guy who is who is tangential to the to the kind of main story. Then gradually became a larger and larger part of it. But it was really also meant to be about the relationship that Donna had with him. Um, listen, I think that in moving forward, you might have there may have been more connections to draw in some way. Yeah. Um, but no, at the time, at the time that wasn't part of our thinking, certainly in the first and original conception of the character. That makes sense. And you also helped uh, with Wyndham Earl, at least coming up with the name. Can, can you, sh- I mean, Brian hasn't seen Wyndham Earl yet, but he, he, they've talked about Wyndham I love Earl. the name, Wyndham yeah. Earl. I love that name. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I had, I, I, Wyndham Earl must have made his first appearance in my in a script I wrote, I think, because that's when you get to name characters usually. Yeah. And and I and I named him. It's really it's a combination of names of, of two different one actor and one character. There was a you know a minor league movie actor named William Wyndham, Wyndham being his last name. Hmm. Who knows? Maybe I saw an old movie on TV that night. <laughs> um, and then and then Bogart in High Sierra, Humphrey Bogart in High Sierra. His character's name is Mad Dog Roy Earl. And so out of that just came Wyndham Earl. I just took one name and put it with the other, and it really it felt right. It's a great name. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously Mark went, oh, cool, let's do that. 
And of course, the actor who played the part was so tremendous. He's actually a good friend of Bob Engels. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was that was just one of those things. I think that may be the only character name of notes, really, but that's a good one to come up with. But that was, yeah, that was something that I came up with for that script. Wow. That's cool. And you were really involved with uh, the dialogue for uh, Albert Rosenfield and stuff. That was like, I mean, I love your your style, very sarcastic, especially in the beginning where he kind of had his one-liners. It was it was just great writing on your part. Yeah, that was, that was I was the go-to insult writer. So I did a lot <laughs> of those. That was my one of my, that that on the cherry stem, but no, but that was something that I loved writing that character. In fact, I ran into Miguel at an audition just maybe five years ago, hmm. and we had a great talk about the show and about that character. But yeah, he was so much fun to write, and it was a different sort of character. And obviously, we love to write comedy on that on on Twin Peaks. So hmm. you know, it's and so Rosenfeld was a really fun way to get into that, and and I did love writing those liars. Nice. There there was talk about actually doing spinoffs of Twin Peaks back. I mean, back in the day, I think one was going to be an Audrey spinoff, and there was also talk about an Albert spinoff. I wondered if they if anyone ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Got, got in touch with you and said, "Yeah, hey. the Albert, the Albert spinoff. I'm less certain about. I don't mm. remember hearing about that. Although it's certainly possible. There yeah. was definitely the Audrey spinoff idea because I think in a weird way that ended up being Mulholland Fall. Yeah, Mulholland Drive, right? Yeah, Mulholland Drive. Sorry. So that I know that they and th- and that was much more worked out. They had a story for her. They had a whole thing that they wanted to do. They really felt, obviously, Sherlyn Fenn's is breakout actress. I think they, yeah. they were, had plans for that. I'm not really sure why it never happened, but that one I do have a, a memory of. Albert so although that would yeah. have been fun to do, God knows. <laughs> I, think, I think Miguel, and, and it was probably wrapped in Plastic Magazine, had mentioned that maybe he had been approached about possibly doing that. He seemed like he was pretty busy uh, doing another show, and he's, I don't even know if he had time. Sure. I, mean, I think he came back and forth between Twin Peaks and something else when he had time. But I think that he had, yeah, yeah, I think he, but he mentioned that there was a possibility, and I think if they had done a, the show, you should have been, you know, you should have been the executive producer, I think, of that show, because you're, you're Yes, you're well, making, thank you. I think, well, I th- yes, I'm sure that I probably would have been involved do you want to share anything about jerry stall at least uh, you know he had written a script and it was not very good and you basically all the writers kind of pitched together and uh and uh and patched it and made an episode i don't know if you want to bring anything up about that experience well, no it's, it's just what it, listen it happens sometimes i mean yeah. it's we we because when you're not when you're dealing with freelance writers and again, these are people who are, I mean, it's my, it was my wife, wife, it was Mark's brother. Mm. And these are people we all knew very well. Uh, Barry Pullman is someone who I knew, who I met, I, I knew before the show. So these are all friends. But in some cases, you you know, Jerry Stahl was someone that none of us knew. I remember we went to a place called actually Jerry's Deli, I think, in L.A. Mm. And, you know, this guy worked on ALF, for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> He was this fascinating character. He seemed like just the kind of guy you wanted to write Twin Peaks. Yeah. As 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 everyone learned later, because it was in his own autobiography, yeah. he was clearly having some problems at the time. Yeah. Um. And so the script that came in, you know, it was sort of. I mean, part of it was handwritten. It was it was not finished. Sort of. It was sort of typed out. It was he was not available suddenly mm-hmm. and. You know, it was, it was, I mean, listen, every time you have a freelance writer, you're going to be doing a certain amount of rewriting. You never take credit for that because that's just, I mean, you don't, you don't, that's just yeah. the way that the game is played. And also, and I think that's fair. And also, by the way, when you take credit for something, you're also taking money out of the writer's pocket. Hmm. So that was something that we would never do. And I'll tell you on certain episodes, there was a lot of rewriting that was done. 
Um, but in this case, because we really had to just pitch in and do the entire script, basically, that was the one time where we did take credit um, uh, with the freelance. Yeah, and that, that was—I mean—to um, have to take to have to reshape that episode or rewrite that episode. It was a—it was a stellar episode. I really—I still love that scene where the judge yeah. is talking to Leland and yeah. and and Shane, you know. You know, I wish I wish we weren't in this place, and there'll be better days. And it was just it was just a brilliant brilliant yeah. episode, and you guys did a great job on oh, that. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, we all it was all hands on deck, but you had very good people in those room in that room. And, and listen, and at the end of the day, I mean, Mark is the guy who you know he's the one who finishes them all. So you know, and you already you you knew if you'd really written a good script because then Mark wouldn't have to change much of it. Mm. But there are always production there are always production things that he needed to fix. And there are other things too. I mean, I remember an episode in the the first episode I wrote, um, you know, where Truman and Josie are talking about death and she has a speech. I mean, the speech I wrote was so ridiculously long. <laughs> so, you know, there is, because I, who knew? I just figured, oh, I'll let her go. Yeah. So, you know, it's like Mark knew a little bit more about how that was going to work than I did. So it was always great to know that he was going to come in and make you look even better than you looked already. And so no matter how good a job you did, yeah. you knew it was going to be even it was going to be even better by the time it was shot. Awesome. That's so cool. So I thought I'd just bring I I hope you don't mind me mentioning uh, Catherine Colson who played the log lady. I mean, you had such a a really nice uh tweet uh tweet that you put out but saying it's hard to think of anyone who better exemplified the heart and soul of Twin Peaks than Catherine Colson. R.I.P. and stuff, and I, I was really touched by that. It was probably the nicest. I mean, twi Twitter, you don't have a lot of room to to really say much, but it was really a, a really heartfelt thing that you had to say about Catherine. And oh, thanks. Yeah, it's funny. I talked to Brad Dukes originally about that. I mean, it's you know, look. I mean, she was just amazing, and she was such a dear friend of David's, and so integral to I think the spirit of the place. I mean, listen, we had wonderful actors in all those parts. It's hard for me to think of a single one. And that's lucky to have mm. actors fit, the, fit. And that, by the way, is part of, I think, David's genius, too, because he doesn't even read actors. Mm. He just meets them. Something. And there's a kind of way he vibes it out. And I think that, you know, I mean, when you look at David Mark's contribution to the show, you know, I think one of the things where David really, I, I give him a ton of credit, is in the casting. Mm. But Catherine was someone, but it, it's, it's almost like Catherine was already in Twin Peaks. He didn't yeah. need Catherine. I mean, she was so natural and so perfect, and, that, and that's such an original character. Um, and also, just as everyone who's ever met her knows, she was just a lovely, lovely person. She was, yeah. And, yeah. and sort of interesting and, and sweet and gentle and strange and all the things that, as I as I, I guess I said in the tweet, but yes, she did exemplify the best of that show, and, um, you know, it was a great loss. Yeah. We we were we were yeah we were yeah. lucky enough maybe it was about maybe a month or so before her passing we got to interview her on the show and she was so gracious oh, great. that she yeah. was really gracious that like we basically said you know we were only asking for ten minutes and she gave us that it was really nice and I th I think she probably knew she wasn't well then and it was really sweetest nicest lady in the world and stuff yeah. a really good person yeah. and stuff so yeah I just wanted to say that was really nicely nicely done with the with the tweet and um yeah okay. oh man um so what else did I want to say um. I'm sorry, lost my thoughts here. Well, I'm going back to David Duchovny's character real quick. About, I mean, I think about like where we are right now in our society and about transgenders. I mean, it's interesting. We're, more, I feel like we're more educated, and I really love that whole scene where uh, where Audrey was talking to Cooper, and then she, she says, "Oh, there's girl agents," and and she leaves, and then uh, D Denise is like, you know, like, "How old is that girl?" Yeah, <laughs> is is this you? Are you are you? Did you write this stuff, or is this? Was this, I think Bob Angle. Yeah, was, oh yes. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, look, it's uh, we all wrote it. I mean, we, yeah, we would do different things, and then yeah. I would come in and rewrite sometimes. Particularly if it was in the second season, I'd do more rewriting, and because I stepped in to do that work when Mark was was away. Um, but yeah, Denise it was a great character. And yeah. I, listen, that yeah, I guess in a funny way, it does seem a little ahead of its time. I mean, it's it, and, and again, one of the nice things was is that we could do whatever we wanted. So mm. it wasn't like we we didn't have a network kind of worrying about whether we were doing something that they didn't want to see. Or I mean, ABC, you know, sometimes gets criticized because I guess it wasn't the third season. You know, nonetheless, the show is what it is because they gave us complete and utter creative freedom to write the show hmm. and make the show that they that they wanted to make that we wanted to make and and that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, nobody, you know, that just doesn't happen. But ABC took a real, you know, leap of faith with the show back then, and I'll always give them a lot of credit for that. It's awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah and my only last thing about the Denise thing was that it ended with him saying, "Well, I put my, you know, put my panties on one leg at a time." And back <laughs> yeah. then, I'm, and like yeah. Cooper doesn't understand what's going on. And I, I, I at fifteen, it's like I don't know what you're talking about. But now, as an adult and and hearing more about transgenders, it's kind of like, you know, a transgender yeah. can can wear a dress and still like men. I mean, like, yeah, like, a man. Like women, yeah. Yeah, and so, and back then I... Yeah, that's understand. why, yes, it's the Eddie Izzard, it's the Eddie Izzard thing, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah, right, Yeah, I mean, right. that was, yeah, that's exactly, that's sort of what we were dealing with. And and, and listen, it's, we had a lot of people who came in to, to read for that, or at least more than one, certainly, hmm. and, and, and David was just, you know, he was amazing. I mean, you knew immediately that he was going to be the person right. who was going to play that part. And he didn't he didn't overdo it either, which I was I was happy. Like he didn't no, feel like he was very great about yeah, it. Yeah, he felt normal. It's like hey, yeah, yeah it was cool. So yeah, yeah, I mean I think yeah, that, no, look, that's what yeah, that's what made it work is that it wasn't you know he didn't put quotes around his performance, and it was you know it was it was just you know it just he was just that's who Denise was, and uh, and that worked out very well for all of us I think. And so I feel like there's a whole new generation watching Twin Peaks. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm always following Twitter, and I'm like people who are just watching it for the first time. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's something else. I mean, it, it still lives the test of time, really, 25 years later, and it's still an amazing uh, piece of work. And it really has you to thank for your writing and your producing and, and all you've done for oh, the show. And so thank well, you. thank you. Yeah, I, I don't – yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have one question, but it's so hard to ask because I haven't – seen the rest of the show i mean sure oh god it's so hard i like this is the problem we get into i always get stuck because i'm like i have well, just say it, see just it. Say but my question do. would be without ruining anything obviously yeah would i mean would a season three have happened back then i mean if abc was all right you guys were greenlit for a season three i mean was that something on your radar like we we have plans. The only, the only thing, yes, the only the only thing that was on my radar then was that obviously we were all sort of waiting to see if there was going to be a third season. We were all greatly hopeful that there was going to be a third season. I know that Mark and David went to ABC, and this was one of those few times where there was that sort of contact. They went to ABC, sat down with them, and said, "Look, we have a plan for a third season, and here's what we want to do." Hmm. So it wasn't, you know, there was a, and I, and I must tell you, I have obviously can't really have much impact on the third season they're doing now because of the time jump, hmm. but no, there was a, and, and that's why I talked about the comic book to Mark at one point, yeah. because they had, ide- they had ideas already in place for what would happen after the conclusion or after the conclusion of the second season. So that's it was obviously, cool. it was certainly something that we were all hoping to do, um, but unfortunately never had a chance to do. Yeah, yeah. In a comic book that seems to be very popular, X Files did seasons ten and eleven comic book form. 
Um, and obviously yeah. they're back now, and and holy smokes, they're nailing it. Um, they're good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. In the ratings and everything. So I really feel that Twin Peaks coming back is going to be huge. Um, there's like, yeah, it's uh, listen. I think yes, I think. I mean, David Evans at Showtime. I mean, it's again, it's that leap of faith, and I think he's doing exactly the right thing. And I think it. I mean, I, I, I listen. I came to the show as a fan at the start, and I'm coming back to it as a fan now. Really, it's like I can hardly wait to see that season. And look, people always ask me, "Well, what's going on? And what do you know? And what's the story?" <laughs> I know no, I know nothing. Yeah. And I sort of want, and I sort of want to know nothing, right? Right. Yeah. The only thing that I, the only thing that I've shared, and I'm happy to share. Is that you know going into this third season, David hadn't directed in earnest since mm. what 2006. I yeah. mean, he had, so he hadn't directed anything in a very long time. He's not a young man, mm. and directing and directing anywhere from 10 to 14, depending on what they end up doing, hours of television. That's really a, that's a tough that's a tough job, yeah. and that's a tough physical it's a tough physical job, it's a tough mental job, and I don't think anybody, Mark included, knew what to expect when they started. Hmm. Um, but the one, but the one thing that I heard from set during the shooting of the third season, which made me very happy, is that David was like, you know, it's like Nolan Ryan still got his fastball. It's like <laughs> he was, he just stepped back into it and like he'd never left. And that to me is the best news of all. That Mark and David are doing this together. That they wrote it together. That because their partnership was always so vital to this show, mm. and and I think that and I think when the show wobbled, it was because the partnership was not in as good a shape as it was before. Mm. So I think that the fact that the two of them are doing this together is for anyone that loves Twin Peaks, and I do. It's 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 just great news, and that's why I'm very hopeful. I don't know how long it's going to be before we can finally see it, but you know I'll be watching when we do. Nice, awesome, yeah. Well, thank you, Harley, for your time. It's it's sure. great to have you on. We, it was really something to. Yeah, yeah we appreciate it. Thank you very much for the thank time. You. Oh no, it was a pleasure. It's always look. I mean, the show is such a great part of my life, and and it's and it's one of the things I'm most gratified by is the way it inspires other people, and and that's something that when I have these conversations, it's nice to be reminded of. Cool, cool. Yeah, and maybe sometime we can have you on again. We'd love to have you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, especially anytime, like, yeah. and certainly when certainly when there certainly when season three hits, if nothing else, <laughs> can have a deep. I'll, I'll be happy to share my reactions with. I you. would love to hear. About yes, that. cool. nice, nice. All right, guys. Thank you again, Harley, for giving us uh, so much time today, and. Holy smokes. My mind is blown. And yeah, so much good information out of that, uh, huh? I, mean, I know. That's something else. I, I know. Um, it, it, it's so hard as a newcomer to the show, and I know it's like we tell our guests this is where we are in the show. And In 2016, we promised our fans, our listeners, the community that listens to us, that I will stay and I have been very good. Yeah, you haven't gone ahead. You've been wanting to. You wanted to do it during the holidays. You were very tempted but to I, get, get, try to watch all of them or so. But. You know, with the feedback we got and us talking, it was like, no, I'm going to watch yeah. as we record. And I've been very good about that. And it's so hard when yeah. we have someone like this yes. on the show and you – like he's giving me little tidbits of what's to come up with right. Heather Graham yeah. and Billy Zane. And right. I'm like, I do know they're in the show. I've right. seen the cast list a long time ago. I've seen pictures, but I don't know 
what, what you know it's like what's oh, to come right i want to talk about I'm glad it that you were able to ask that question about like where would we have gone in season three and i was glad that harley was able to be vague about it yeah but he was able to give us a little background that, that both uh mark frost and david lynch did still pitch it to abc that they had ideas for season three so yeah. I mean, that was kind of cool that that you know what could have been what could have been and you know like you said, if he if he comes back on, we can indulge more into that. Yeah, I'm sure future. you'll have a lot of questions. I mean, especially yeah. especially for the last episode. I mean, yeah. really, that last episode, there are some major changes from what was in the script. So it would be it would be kind of great to have him back to be like, hey, this is where you guys were going, and and Lynch went in his own direction just to talk about that. But at the same time, Harley said it was an amazing, and I really truly do believe that last episode is the best episode of Twin Peaks, and it's of, of any television really. But, and I'm yeah. very excited to see it yeah we're not um, that far away we're not that far there. we're getting there and but we have to thank him again thank you harley yeah we harley. really appreciate your time oh yeah it was amazing and uh thank you um to the community at large uh for listening to us remember you can rate subscribe and leave a comment on itunes twin peaks unwrapped and you can find us on facebook and we're, we're actually getting more traction on facebook awesome That's which so is really cool, cool. yeah yeah. So yeah, we're at TwinPeaks.com, TwinPeaksUnwrapped.com. TwinPeaksUnwrapped.com. And yeah, um, so w- I think I thought we'd end it with uh, um, Harley Payton, as he said, uh, wrote episode uh, six of the yes. first season. And there's this great dialogue, which everybody knows, about a uh, about giving yourself a present. And I thought, hey, why not end the show with a... Uh, with that that oh, line, this stuff. this is one of the best quotes in the show. Yes, and it's it's tr- it, it's like uh, it's like uh, what do you say? It's like something that you really should do in life. You know, it's like a motto that we all should follow. Yeah, life, and we- you know what? After hearing that, as a newcomer, and I hear I heard that quote, it stuck with me. Like most people that right. watch this show, and I, no joke, that quote must run through my head once a day. Mm-hmm. And say, like, what can I get myself? <laughs> And it's always a coffee. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm a huge coffee fan, yeah. and I'm always buying myself a coffee. So when I'm standing in line to buy a coffee at 3 in the afternoon, this is what I think of. I can't like, help it now. Give yourself a present, Brian. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> It's always. Christmas today. <laughs> it's Christmas every day yeah. in my life. Well, have a good one. We'll see you next week. Yes, thank you. Would you like some coffee? Afternoon, Shelly, yes. Well, we should be on our way. Harry? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Every day, once a day, give yourself a present. Don't plan it. Don't wait for it. Just let it happen. Could be a new shirt at the men's store, a cat nap in your office chair, or two cups of good, hot, black coffee. Like this. A present. Like Christmas. <laughs>